Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone, here. And hopefully you are having a very good time, a very fun-filled Saturday afternoon. And I do say fun-filled with, uh, well, you know, under the circumstances that we're all dealing with here. Uh, We're just trying to do what we can. We're doing the best that we can here. And that includes us as well. And so we want you to do the same and to continue to be safe and healthy out there. Well, okay, let's get on with today's show. Well, for those of you who are big fans of NBC's highly rated athletic competition show, The Titan Games, hosted by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Well, you know that season two is a wrap. Earlier this week, the whole world saw the winners that were crowned, and the winner representing the ladies uh, is Danny Spiegel, and the guy who represents for the men, firefighter, Chicago firefighter, Matt Chan, is the winner. Well, like I said, for those of us who follow the show, we already know, but those of you who maybe just kind of getting in on that show, several weeks of grueling competition. Uh, as these professional sports athletes and these other, uh, not quite professional, but still tough athletes, all competing against each other to see who is going to get to the finals to compete against each other at Mount Olympus, the ultimate uh, obstacle course there. And also for a chance to win $100,000 in grand prize money. And finally, who's going to get the bragging rights to hold up that huge Titan champion trophy? Well, obviously, Danny and Matt were the winners. And guess what? We have both winners here about to talk to them. So let's bring them on board right now to talk about their latest victories uh, as being the new Titan Games champions. So let's bring them on right now. Let me patch in. Okay. Here we go, guys. Hello, Janice. Well, good morning, the two champions here. How is everybody? So good. Okay. Well, you guys put on one heck of a performance last night. Uh, of course, it was pre-recorded, but what was it like watching yourselves, you know, looking at it all over again? Uh, I honestly, I hate watching myself on camera. I'm one of those people, so I was, like, cringing <laughs> the whole time. It was amazing, you know, the experience, like, kind of reliving it again, but I definitely am someone who I'm like, oh, like, Each other compete at all, and 
you know, all of these events, it, it was fun to watch and see how everybody did. Um, and it was also cool to see, you know, the mistakes that, you know, Danny and I made against our competitors. It was kind of like, oh, shoot, I can't believe he was that far in front of me because I did this, you know. So it was, it was a pretty neat experience. And, you know, my family, got, I got to watch it with my family, and, and they absolutely were going nuts because I didn't tell them what the results were. So it was cool. And how difficult was that, keeping the outcome from your friends and family? That was harder than anything. That was the worst part, and, you know, every single day, you know, I would get questions, like, so, like, when, uh, you know, did you win, like, well, like, what's going on, and I was just like, oh, I can't say anything, and honestly, after, you know, after the episode last night, I got more, uh, I can't believe you didn't tell me text than, like, congratulations, <laughs> it was more like, why didn't you tell me, I'm like, sorry, guys, <laughs> could not. That's funny. Well, now, okay, those trophies. Are as tall as you both are. How did you hide? I mean, where are the trophies? How did you hide them? Or did they have has NBC sent them to you yet? No, no, they um they put them back. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. Danny and I came back with nothing from this show. So like yeah. none of the cool <laughs> costumes. Yeah, no t-shirts, no hats, no no nothing. We did, however, have to lift that incredibly heavy trophy over our heads, which was a task in itself. So hard. They were like, hey, lift that. And I was like, yeah, give me a second. <laughs> I need to put a belt on. Yeah, I can like, squat this thing. And they look heavy. About how much do they weigh each? Dang, probably 50 pounds, something like that. Yeah. Like, heavy. Goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Well, okay. Um... Now that you both have a hundred grand on your hands here, uh, anything special, specific that you're going to do with some of that prize money? Yeah, you know, I put a little bit of thought into it. Uh, maybe you know, investing in you know, a house and real estate, something like that. Uh, but I haven't put too too much thought into it. I'm still kind of like reveling in the moment and just enjoying uh, everything that's happened. So. Firefighter, but Danny, what for you? What's next for you? Has the WWE called you or anything like that, or what? 
both of you for the world of CrossFit training. Uh, so this is my last question. Um, are you, are both of you, are you still in touch with your competitors uh, that were you were competing against at Mount Olympus or what? Congratulations again to uh, Matt and Danny on their big, huge victories and getting all that prize money. What a great time to have $100,000 just laying around, you know. I wonder where do they keep those big old trophies that they just won. Hmm. Well, I guess anywhere they want to. They definitely earned them. You know what? We'll be right back with more Film Festival Radio right after this. Festival Radio with Janice Malone will be right back after this. 
This is Drew and Jonathan Scott, The Property Brothers, and you are listening to Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone. Okay, thank you, Property Brothers, for that drop that uh, we recorded with them. Oh, it's been about a year or so ago when they were in, and we were in Nashville, but that's another story. So let's get on to this guest right now. I am so excited to be talking to my guest here. And I will tell you this, my guest is known as King of the High Wire, and rightfully so. I'm talking about the one and only Nick Walenda, known throughout the world for his incredible feats on the high wire. Nick is the holder of not one, not three, not seven. How about 11 world records for his amazing talents on the high wire? And he is so, so earned the title. We have just seen him doing some of the most daring, take your breath away, televised type walks over places like Times Square, Niagara Falls. Remember that one? The Grand Canyon. Uh, And most recently, earlier this year, uh, he walked over the the active volcano down in Nicaragua, Masaya Volcano. Oh, man, it just makes me nervous talking about it. But, of course, Nick Walenda and his family, the great Walendas, are known for their daring and death-defying work on these tightropes. Oh, my God, it's just mind-boggling. And Nick is a seventh-generation member of his world-famous family. So let me be quiet. Nick Walenda is joining us in a few seconds to talk about his new book, kind of his memoir of sorts, and it's titled Facing Fear, Stepping Out in Faith, and Rise Above What's Holding You Back. Definitely a good book to read in times like these. And uh, my goodness, do we all need some inspiration and motivation. So let's bring on Nick and to hear more about his latest new book. Well, hello, Nick. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. You too. I'm sorry I'm a few minutes late. These are back-to-back, and they didn't give me enough time. I got another one in 20, actually, supposedly. Okay. Well, we can get it done. We can get it done. Um, Okay. Okay, we'll just jump right in here. New book, Facing Fear, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above What's Holding You Back. Oh, my God. I can't. Do I ever need to uh, live by that whole title? (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, uh, it's, it's amazing the timing of this book. When I decided that I was going to uh, to write this book, uh, I didn't realize that we would be faced with this horrendous pandemic that we're faced with. And uh, I wrote this book because I dealt with a situation, which I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, that caused fear in my life. And um, and again, I didn't realize at that time. Uh, at that time, I thought, look, there's a lot of people in the world that are facing fear in one way or another, and I think that a lot of people could be way more successful and, and uh, get so much further in life if there wasn't fear in their life. Uh, and that's why I wrote the book. And then here we get with this pandemic. So I think I think the timing is great, certainly, and uh, my hopes are that this book helps uh, others overcome the fear that they're facing in their life. One of the things that I find uh, found so surprising is that all of these these death defying feats that you and your family have done uh, your your whole career, and that you said you write that you did not really have any fear until um, the the 2017 accident where seven members of their family uh, had the the collapsing, and so. Yeah. I just find that amazing. You did not have fear. So after that whole incident, how how strong was the fear for you? <laughs> well,
Well, look, we, we um, you know, being raised in, in this industry, my family dates back to the 1780s walking wires. So, so my whole life, my mom's six months pregnant with me, still walking the wire. I started walking the wire at 18 months. And because of that, it was normal. It was life. It was something that I just was accustomed to. Um, so, so I think that's why there wasn't really much fear, but, you know, as you mentioned about two and a half years ago, we were attempting to break a world record, actually our own world record for the highest four layer, eight person pyramid. And as we made our way out on that wire, that pyramid collapsed, uh, five of my family members fell to the ground by the grace of God. I caught the wire. So did my cousin and one of the other gentlemen stayed standing, but my, my sister had fallen, broken every bone in her face, uh, 73 screws in place in her face, just in her head right now. Um, didn't know if she was even going to live at that point. My aunt was injured severely. Other friends were injured pretty bad. And um, and what I didn't realize is that there was sort of a seed planted in my, set, my head when that accident happened. I watched it all happen. I was in the back on the bottom of that pyramid, watched it collapse, caught the wire, went down, made sure my sister got to the hospital, my other family members, and I went on to perform the next day. And I performed for about six weeks straight, uh, all, all while my family was was still recovering. In fact, the, you know, many of them uh, will will are still in the process of recovery years later. And um, after about six weeks of performing, I took some time off and then went back to train for that pyramid again. And when we went back to train for that pyramid, I started uh, literally trembling on the wire as we were training. And what was happening was I was watching that pyramid collapse in front of me in real time as I was standing there, which is, you know, similar to a you know, what, what somebody would experience with PTSD. And uh, it got to the point where I remember going to my wife and saying, you know what, I don't think I can walk the wire anymore. And uh, it was sort, certainly a low point in my life because this was my passion. It's what I love doing. It's what I'd done my entire life. It's how I'd made my, what I'd made my career from and, and paid my, my bills for a long time. And, uh, and I remember going to my wife and just saying, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I remember her saying, look, I support you in whatever decision you make, but I think you really need to sit down and think about what you're saying. Uh, you know, your family has lived by the show must go on their entire career. You've lived by the words never give up and sign most of your autographs. You, you do what you do to inspire people that nothing's impossible and you're going to give up. And, uh, and it was at that point that I remember just sitting there in, in tears and saying, I, I don't know what to do. This is, I've been through a lot. I've had to change a couple laws in the United States uh, and Canada just to get permission to walk across Niagara Falls. Uh, there are many, many uh, hurdles that I've had to overcome in life, um, in, in not, let, not to mention the walks that I've done, walking over the Grand Canyon or, or an active volcano as, as late. Uh, but uh, this was certainly the greatest challenge that I ever faced, and it was something that I didn't think I could overcome. And, and the book really tells the story of what it took for me to overcome and, and to, to really reprogram my brain uh, and retrain my brain. I think people don't realize what a powerful tool our brains are. We, we can... We can filter what we allow in and out, uh, and we are in control of that. And it's so often I think we forget that and that we allow our our uh, our brains to control us rather than us to control our brains or our thoughts in the end. Uh, you know, as, as human beings, for some reason, it's as though we're programmed to go negative. You know, my daughter is late for her – five minutes late coming home, and she's supposed to be home at 9 p.m. Immediately your mind goes, did she get in a car accident? Yeah. Is something wrong? Is she alive? Rather than going, okay, she's a few minutes late, she had some traffic or an extra stoplight, not a big deal. That's what teenagers do. Um, unfortunately, it's just the way our brains are programmed. And throughout my career, I've, I've trained my brain, uh, and I guess I just forgot about it for a while, but I trained myself to not not necessarily acknowledge that negative. It, it, well, I guess say not acknowledge it, not give respect to that, that negative. Uh, 
Uh, I think it's important that we acknowledge it. Uh, certainly, I have to acknowledge the fact that there's strong winds over Niagara Falls, and I have to train and prepare for them, but I can't be fearful of them. Uh, again, you mentioned that you found it fascinating that I didn't really experience fear in my life or in my professional career, at least, uh, leading up to this. Well, you know, what you might call fear, I call respect. So what I mean by that is I respect deeply the fact that what I do is dangerous. But because of that, I train and prepare properly. I train, if I know the winds are going to be 40 miles an hour, I train with 80 mile an hour winds. If I know the, the mist is going to be a certain density, then I, I double that density. If I know the gases are going to be so strong uh, that I have about uh, 30% impedance on my oxygen while walking over a volcano, then I train with 20% oxygen so that I know, again, that I'm prepared and trained. But also, when I get on that wire, I have a deep respect for the fact that I, that I, I know I can make it across uh, because I've trained properly. Um, but, uh, but again, I think that's the difference between fear and respect. You know, Elton John, one of the greatest entertainers of our time, I've been told he'll, he'll, uh, he'll throw up in a trash can before he gets on stage often. Well, he's not scared of going out on stage. Clearly, he's one of the best in the world at what he does and has entertained millions upon millions. But he respects that crowd and he wants to deliver it at such a high level that my, my take on that would be it's, it's that he respects it so much that those nerves come in. Oh, my goodness. I was just thinking about the volcano uh, feat there that was uh, done earlier this year. Okay, so for that particular feat, since that's your most recent one, are there any particular books or audio or prayers or meditation other than, you know, you said you condition your mind, but, you know, outside – activities like i said reading yeah. do, that you enjoy doing or do you do in preparation for these types of feats yeah look i would tell you a lot of it is mental prep and a lot of that mental prep comes with physical prep so what i mean by that is the preparation leading up to it i mentioned a little bit of it but you know the volcano was 1800 feet across so i walked over a mile on a cable every day for a month and a half training for that walk uh, so what that does is, in my mind, I go, okay, I have to walk 1,800 feet. Wow, that's a long distance on a wire on the side of a golf ball. But I've walked over a mile, so therefore, I know I can do it. So that physical prep helps me prepare mentally as well. Uh, you know, look, I'm a man of faith as well, so that plays a key role in every aspect of my life, um, whether I am on or off the wire. Uh, and uh, that, that, I believe, empowers me and, and strengthens, strengthens me, uh, you know, mentally as well. Um, but I also just try to, try to maintain positive attitude and, and, and spend time with people that are positive around me. Um, you know, I think that um, it's very easy for us to be swayed and our minds to be swayed. And if we're hanging out, out I'll give you a great example. Right now we're facing this treacherous, you know, pandemic Um and it would be very easy for me to to become uh, upset, depressed. The entertainment industry has shut, basically been shut down and stopped in its tracks. Um, and I've chosen to not really tune into the news anymore because uh, although I stay educated by reading, uh, I don't tune into mainstream media because of the fact that it is it's depressing. Um, so I choose – what I'm saying by that is I choose to – what I allow to come in uh, so that I don't have to filter a lot of negativity out. Um, I choose who I spend time with. I choose my friends. Um, and I choose them wisely, and sometimes it's hard, uh, you know, but I, I believe that, you know, negative 
uh, energy, negative people, negative news sources, uh, or news in general seems to be negative, uh, can really tear you down. And, uh, and I choose what I allow to go in and out of my mind. Even the music that I listen to, uh, I make sure that it has a positive message uh, for that very, very same reason. It's extremely powerful. Uh, our minds are very, very powerful. And, and if you tell somebody the same thing enough, they'll start to believe it. Uh, true or false, if it's a lie or if it's truth, you'll start to believe it. You tell yourself enough. Uh, you know, there's been studies of, 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 um, of people just speaking negative and then, then, then there's, there's, you know, negative sources and then, uh, positive sources into their minds, two individuals, uh, that have the same outlook on life and they, they have a total different direction at the end of that, that, that study. Um, because our minds are a powerful tool. I've got two more questions here. What, when, after you get across to get to the other side, you know, whether it's the Grand Canyon or New York, uh, Times Square or the volcano, when you get to the other side and you're finished, usually what is your very, very first thought? Oh, there's definitely relief, you know, and I will tell you that, you know, I'm an executive producer on all of my TV specials, so there's there's a lot more than just training and the wire walking side of things. And uh, it becomes very draining. I'm, I'll be working 12, 14 hours a day leading up to these events for a month and a half straight, no days off. It is just nonstop. So there's a sense of relief, A, that I've made it to the other side, that I've made it safely, uh, that the rigging uh, held up, uh, that the production is over. Uh, There's so many layers to what I deal with um, that I would say certainly the biggest thing is just relief, relieved. I, I, I made it. Uh, I'm safe. Um, and, and to be honest, the entire crew is very important to me. They're all like family and friends. Uh, even on the production side, you know, we had 350 people uh, in Nicaragua for my latest TV special on ABC where I walked over that active volcano. And uh, until that last person leaves, even though I've made it across the wire, I really can't rest easy until the last person leaves that site to their home. Then I know that everybody's uh, everybody's made it safely. And so prior to the, the shutdown and the virus and all that, what or, or what is your next big feat after hopefully this is all over? What can we look forward to? So I am uh, I'm working on several different things. Really, this book has been my main focus right now. Again, um, I think so many people in society are facing fear. My hopes are that by reading this book that people are free from that fear and they're able to achieve uh, their calling uh, and, uh, and, and success or whatever success is to them because fear holds people back so much. But I'm, I'm working on a few other things. Uh, I'm actually working on a, a, a social distance friendly drive-in real show right now where people will be able to come and get entertained and inspired. We'll speak to the crowd from a wire over 100 feet above the cars. Uh, as well as many other daredevil friends of mine being involved. Uh, again, trying to adapt to the times of what we're dealing with. I'm working on that, as well as many other big projects, another major walk that I can't talk specifics on yet, uh, unfortunately, because the permits just aren't in place. Okay. And lastly, I know your your motto is never give up. Uh, other than the accident in 2017, has there been any other time in your life that you really wanted to give up or you thought about it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so many times my first book balance is a lot about that where I would make it four steps ahead and five or six steps backwards uh, my career there are many times my wife my mom wrote a book in the in the late 80s called um, 
the last of the Walendas because she didn't think there was a future in our industry and really encouraged me to go a different direction and not, not carry on this legacy that was over 200 years old. Uh, but it was tough because it was my passion at that point because I'd started so young. And uh, in that book, um, again, she talks about it not going on. And, and I will tell you that there were many times where, where uh, you know, a, a state senator would say, sorry, Nick, we're not going to vote for this resolution to allow you to walk across Niagara Falls. Uh, many times where doors have been closed in my face where I feel like, you know what, I want to give up. I need to go a different direction. Uh, and that's really when I would think back to my family history and my great-grandfather and, and the legacy that I have been given. Well, we are so happy that you did not give up because uh, all of your televised uh, daredevil feats have been just, oh, I'm just gripping the sofa at times. They're, they're so entertaining. Uh, so we are so thankful you did not give up. And so your new book, Facing Fear, Step Out in Faith and Rise Above What's Holding You Back, is out September 15th, just about a month from now. So, again, thank you so much. And we can't wait to see what's next coming out of uh, the Melinda Camp. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care and stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you, Nick, for uh, such an interesting guy, isn't he? Just fascinating. The book, again, is Facing Fear, Stepping no, step out in faith and rise above what's holding you back. I think the short title is probably Facing Fear by Nick Walenda. I can't believe he has had no real nervousness from doing all of those amazing tightrope walks and such. On the other hand, if I would have survived making it to the other side after the tightrope walk, I would have had a huge box of depends. Yes, depends waiting on me. That's just me, though. But that's another story. Okay, we'll be back with more of Film Festival Radio right after this. Okay, you are listening to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone, here. And if you'd like to drop us a line, you can do so, info at filmfestivalradio.com. And we'll be more than happy to uh, reply back. Well, you know something? In spite of uh, everybody being in uh, pandemic quarantine mode here, this has not stopped Las Vegas entrepreneur and NBA superfan, as he calls himself, uh, Jerry Castello. And he and his staff have managed to pull off this amazing event, very successful, uh, recently called the Five Tournament Pro Basketball Invitational. And it took place right here in Las Vegas. Now, this event was a real battle of the sexes, so to speak, and again, took place here in the desert. 
It featured uh, NBA legends and WNBA legends playing against each other in some really fun, friendly competition. Just a lot of fun. I'll tell you who some of the people were for sure. Hall of Fame player Cynthia Cooper, and she was the coach for the ladies. And former Sacramento King NBA great Mike Bibby coached the guys. And they had the uh, legendary analyst Tim Hardaway and Matt Barnes were manning the microphones. And so this was an event, the five tournament invitational. It was quite a hit among the pay-per-view audience. It was a pay-per-view event. And uh, people loved it. So now let's bring on the event creator, Jerry Costello, and he can share even more details about the behind the scenes success of the event. How did he manage to pull this off in a pandemic and it became so successful? And also we'll ask him, when will the next uh, event take place? Because as we all know, people are starving for entertainment and sports. And it sounds like Jerry has found the answer to kind of, quench that thirst that we all have for entertainment and sports. So let's bring him on right now to get more details about his recent event. Are here just waiting on your call here. Jerry, thank you so much for calling. And, well, let's just hop right in here. You've got a lot going on. You just wrapped up the Big Five um, Tournament Pro Basketball Invitational uh, right here in Vegas. So tell everybody who are not familiar, maybe we have some non-basketball fans listening out there, but what is the tournament and uh, the Invitational, and what was it all about? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, the tournament was uh, professional basketball players who all have played in the NBA, some of whom still desire to jump back into the NBA, and some of which who have professional contracts and successful careers overseas. However, because of the pandemic, you know, a lot of, well, not a lot of, all of those opportunities came to a screeching halt. You know, there was no money to be made abroad. Uh, Some of these men um, make money uh, on the lecture circuit or working out uh, future, um, you know, stars, giving their knowledge. And then, of course, people who want to jump back into the league, the ability to, um, you know, go into various camps. Uh, or work out for scouts in the NBA, you know, all of that became non-existent. So uh, it really kind of is a parallel to another company that we have called uh, the B1 Patch. And the B1 Patch is a, uh, a vitamin patch that athletes have been wearing uh, several years now um, and for performance enhancement. So I have a lot of athletes that, again, have these contracts that wear the patch and we thought it would be a good idea when there was such a void of sport at the time to, you know, corral all these guys and put them together in a tournament. And the real hook of the five tournament, I think a lot of people, you know, they put the word big in there because they remind themselves of either big five sporting goods or um, the big three, of course. But, you know, this was just the five tournament, and what the five signified was five men to a roster. And what we did to really make it unique was was that every single player who was on a team uh, was signed to that franchise. So, for instance, we had New York versus Chicago. It was 5X New York Knicks against 5X Chicago Bulls against 5X Miami Heat. Uh, there was a team from Sacramento, a team from Toronto, um, and they all competed against the, and a team from Texas. They all competed against each other, you know, for uh, – 
you know, basically about a $400,000 prize pool. And the games are very exciting, and we have a lot of, um, you know, stars that people know, people like Mario Chalmers, who won two NBA titles with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, um, somebody like Dante Jones, who won an NBA title with LeBron James at the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, James White, who won an NBA title with the uh, San Antonio Spurs, and the list goes on and on. Nate Robinson participated, three-time slam dunk champion. So we were very fortunate in the middle of this uh, pandemic to put together such a unique um, list of uh, players, talented players, and then we're very fortunate to have had Boyd uh, Gaming, uh, the Orleans, come on as a uh, as a venue, and it happened. And um, I'm very proud of it, and it's kind of unique because you look at all these billion-dollar leagues, you know, baseball canceled how many games, the NFL just canceled um, their preseason, they canceled the Hall of Fame game, uh, soccer teams have bowed out completely. It's just been a struggle for all these billion-dollar leagues, and here we were very quietly in the desert. We did eight, uh, eight different uh, dates of games. We didn't lose a single player to COVID and had a very seamless and entertaining um, event. So, yeah, kind of, kind of cool how it all came together. And so uh, the other cool thing about it is that you had not only NBA, but you had WNBA. So the ladies had their uh, competition games as well, which really balanced things out, too. So that was really cool. Well, that's something that, you know, we were really, really excited about, that it's never been done in history in, in terms of team sports. Obviously, people remember, and the movie just came out recently, um, Battle of the Sexes, where, you know, Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King played a very famous tennis match uh, some 40-odd years ago. But this is the first time in professional sports history that a uh, male team from ex-NBA players played against a women's team of uh, WNBA players, some of which are current, uh, not just uh, ex-WNBA players. You know, some of these women are in their 20s and just opted out of the bubble. Possibly a player like Tiffany Hayes, two-time national champion from UConn, could be on any roster she wants to be on right now. And she was on the Atlanta Dream roster last year. She just took a year off again because of the pandemic. But we had tremendous talent on the women's side. You know, we had Imani McGee, who's JaVal McGee's younger sister. Um, you know, we had Lauren Goodwin, uh, who is the, you know, her, her cousin, uh, Marquise Goodwin, plays for the Eagles. And she's All-America in her own right. Um, you know, Vicky Bob, who won a national championship in Tennessee, and her brother is a, a starting cornerback for the Tennessee Titans. So there was just a tremendous amount of sports-centric uh, feel for that game. And it was a close game. It was the 91-81 final. And even that's a little misleading because it was actually a seven-point game. The men just drew up a shot at the buzzer, went in for the last, for the you know margin of victory, ten points. But you know it was a seven-point game uh, late in the game. So very proud that we were able to do it, and um, you know we may be able to revisit that uh, in the near future, men versus women's game, because it was very well received. And so I understand that you got all of these amazingly talented uh, athletes. Uh, you got them in the bubble environment, so to speak, a new term, I guess we have to use now, bubble environment. You got everybody uh, staying at the Artisan Hotel here in Vegas. So how much of a challenge was that, getting all of these talented athletes to stay in that bubble environment? Um, here's the reality of the situation, and I, I, I can sugarcoat it and be politically correct, but why not just be honest? The NBA is having their own headaches right now. They have a bubble environment with security, 
multi-million dollar contracts, teams, whatnot. Now, I'm not singling the guy out. He's one of my favorite players, but at least the story's out there. So, you know, you take a guy like Lou Williams, who, you know, they're making him the poster child for breaking quarantine. Yeah. When I know that they've already said that many guys have had people coming in and out. They just haven't named names. Lou Williams left to attend something very personal, and then obviously on the way back, he stopped by the strip club, and now, you know, he's being vilified for it. But the reality is that there's a lot of um, NBA guys, I guess, who have not, you know, followed all the structure. Then there are, you know, just a lot of, you know, lay people who do not follow all the protocols. So circle it all the way back to our event. We have the artisan, we created a bubble situation. These are grown men and grown women in their 30s and 40s, some of which have million dollar contracts. What is the reality that I can really rein all these people in and be aware of every single movement that they make without creating a, a prison environment, which that's not gonna work either. You know, in other words, you, you create a prison environment, you say this isn't gonna work. What we did do though, is we did this. We did multiple days of testing. So what we did was we set up various protocols where if you were gonna take those risks, you were going to, you know, really open yourself up to being kicked out of the event. Because it's just like a person who, let's say, is a, a drug taker or a smoker, whatever it may be. If you give them one random test and they pass that random test, you know, they basically feel like they have a license to do whatever they want because nobody's watching. If every two days you're doing a test, even a person who wants to be a smoker or a user, whatever it is, they're going to realize that at some point the jig is going to be up because, you know, they're going to get caught. So what we did is we did temperature checks every single day. We did multiple tests. A couple of very famous people, and I will leave their name out of it to protect them, refused to take the test. They had contracts to make decent money. They were sent home. I wouldn't let them in the arena. Uh, you know, and they were like, listen, I'm so-and-so, and I'm just working here one day, and I'm just doing announcing, and I'm going to wear a mask. I said, I don't care. Everybody, you know, is taking, I mean, Alan Houston came and took his test. You know, Gary Payton, you know, Hall of Famer, top 50 of all time, he went and took his test. You know, all these famous guys who are the elite of the elite can go and take their test. So can you. And if you don't want to, I'm sending you home. So what I will say is that it was very challenging, but I really do commend these men and women for having a combination of probably a little bit of scared straight because we were doing so much testing and checks on a daily basis. And then they did develop a camaraderie amongst them, like, hey, we're in this bubble, we're here together, we're pulling something off that no one can do. And I'm very proud to say that you know how many people we lost to the COVID virus during the eight games? Zero. Not a single person. The only guy who we lost was a guy by the name of Marty Collins from Temple who partially uh, injured his calf muscle and just couldn't play anymore. So he's the only guy we lost. Other than that, every player played eight days. So I'm very proud of the fact that, you know, we had a very, very solid quarantine bubble situation because I can honestly say with the way cases had popped up in Vegas and with certain casinos being open, had men and women really abused the bubble situation, we would have never got through with no tests and no losses. It would have been shut down. So um, take that for what it's worth, because that's actually what occurred. We had all these men and women participate over two weeks, eight different games, didn't lose a single player to COVID. And that's something that is fact. So that's pretty great stuff.
That is. That's a very good good record for a short, especially for a short time period like that. Very good. And, hey, let's face it, being in a bubble environment at the Artisan Hotel is not a bad thing to be a part of, I don't think. Well, what we did was we had a poker night. We had Alonzo Bowden, the famous comedian, came in and performed one night. We had DJ Scratch, who was doing DJ work at the arena. He performed a little bit at the R. We just had different um, ways to kind of keep the guys and gals. I mean, the gals only came for the last few days. They weren't there from the beginning. The guys were there the whole time. But we really did a good job, I think, of making it. You know, we had a couple of nights where we had a barbecue night. One of the players, Alan Anderson, owns a barbecue restaurant in town. And, you know, so, you know, we treated everybody to like a barbecue night. We did everything we could to keep everybody engaged so that they weren't looking over their shoulders to go outside, you know what I mean? So we, we, we made the bubble environment as kind of uh, entertaining. You had the pool. It was a good environment by the pool. Is you have all those little cabanas that the artisan has. Uh, guys were playing, you know, guys were playing spades. Guys were playing cards. It, it actually became, you know, what their initial thought was going to be. By day two or three, you can tell that all the guys kind of settled in and said, hey, you know what, we're all together, we're playing cards, we're playing basketball. And don't forget, we played five games in seven days before the playoffs start. I mean, what can you really do? I mean, these games are taxing, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, how much can you really push yourself when you literally have a game uh, every other day? You know, I mean, the games are coming fast and furious. So, you know, I just think the whole coordination of the event lends itself to, um, you know, discipline and discretion. And the guys, uh, they did a great job. I mean, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. They did a great job. Well, the, the big ultimate question is this. Okay, you got through a successful bubble environment. You got some very top quality players from both the NBA and WNBA. You got legendary announce, uh, analyst Tim Hardaway and Matt Barnes there. But the big question is, what was the reaction from the fans? I understand this was a pay-per-view event, so how did it, how did it go over with the viewers? Yeah, so that's a two-part question. For the people who were able to watch it, the response, I'm very, very pleased to say, was exceptional. Um, you know, we had tremendous graphics packages. We had instant replay on site. We had, and I know that sounds crazy, like why? Who wouldn't have instant replay? But when you're dealing with a pandemic and you have to get four cameras and four camera operators, and you got to tell those men and women, you know, to come into the bubble, and you have satellite uplinks, you know, I don't think people realize all the moving parts of the television production. And especially this had never been done before, you know, even though we were using familiar NBA cities like Toronto, New York, Miami, Chicago, you know, the, the teams themselves and the uniforms, all of that was new. So it wasn't like you could just grab stock footage from the Knicks or stock footage from the Bulls and create a package. You had to create it from scratch. And you had to do it in a very, very, you know, uh, uh, constricted uh, time frame. So all of that was incredible. The one thing that I think is nobody's fault, it's just a matter of circumstance, we did it smack in the middle of a pandemic with, you know, very, very difficult publicity. Um, we also had targeted to do this event in early July because the NHL was thinking about coming to Vegas. Uh, we kind of got backed up because we may have had to move our venue. The Orleans instructed us that they may have to take on the NHL from a prior agreement. So we kind of got really just a series of bad breaks, as it were, and the um, ability 
ability to really get out to the masses did not occur. So the good news is that for the people who saw it, um, the response was overwhelming. And I'm not just saying that because I am running the event and I want to put a good spin on it. I'm being honest. The, the production, the, the, the talent level, the, the commentary, every aspect of what product was on a screen was high level and received high marks. But from a business standpoint, you obviously want to, you know, I mean, it's a good thing if 10 people come to your restaurant and say the food is out of this world. But if you only have 10 people coming to a restaurant that seats 200 people, you know, you're not going to last too long. So we're, um, you know, we're still trying to find those legs in terms of viewership and popularity, but interviews like this after the fact will help, and I appreciate you doing it because there's still a lot of people that don't even know that this even happened. And the reality is, and I say this more as a sports fan than someone who has a biased opinion, what happened out here is, is borderline incredible because of all the points I've made about all these billion-dollar leagues that are struggling to find their footing and dealing with, you know, I mean, look how many games in the MLB is canceled. Right? Just think about all the things that they're struggling with. You know, we had 40 professional men come and play at a major casino, at a major city, without incident. And the competition was great. The, the games were great. You had one possession games, you know, multiple times. You had Mario Chalmers, you know, scored 50 points. He hit 10 three-pointers. I don't care who you are, 10 three-pointers. They put 10 or 14 from the field from the three-point line. So all these kinds of things really resonated um, with the public. Now the key is is to either, God willing, get through this pandemic, or if we do do this iteration again during a pandemic, have better lead time and better awareness so that the uh, the numbers can match the enthusiasm of the public. Sorry. Well, last question here. So what's the sequel? What's the next event? Do you have another one, a sports event planned for later this year or early next year or, or what? We do. So I think the very first thing we're going to target is the men versus women rematch. It was such a close game. Um, there are a lot of um, interested parties after it was done who did find out about it after the fact that loved the concept. Um, obviously, you know, there, there was a push. WNBA and NBA season, which means that is, if you look at our, as we all look at our calendar, you know, normally there would be basketball in November and December. And we all know those games on Thanksgiving, and, you know, that's just, and then Christmas, been a part of culture since as long as I can remember. Because basketball is now going on now, they're already talking about that they can't even begin the 2021 season until, you know, until January. Like, basically, this is going to be a hollow time basketball-wise in November and December. So I think there's a spot right there in that time frame where we can do another event, whether it's only the women or we do a full-on five-tournament five again. But we do plan on doing it again. As I mentioned, it went really, really well. The, the, the credentials and the credits and the compliments are extensive and high. And the most important thing now is to just prepare it properly so uh, a greater audience can appreciate it. Um, where can people keep up with, what's your website and social media so people can know when the next event will take place and they can be ready for it? But here's where everything, you talk about the core and the crux of our company, everything we do. And then on social media, it's at the one patch, you know, letter B, number, uh, number one, P-A-T-C-H. So all of our socials are 
that is on Devin McCourty, Jerry Hughes of the Bills, um, Dijonson out of the Falcons, Bud Dupree of the Steelers. The list just goes, you know, you know, right now Ryan Hunter Ray is going to be wearing it in the Indianapolis 500. There's so many athletes and stars that just commit to wearing our product. And again, the P1 company was a major sponsor uh, and the guiding force in creating the five tournaments. So anyone who wants to keep up with anything that our company is doing, they really should lock into buyb1.com and on socials at B1Patch. Okay, thank you so much, Jerry, for uh, the information there. Man, I just got to commend him uh, again, he and his crew, for pulling off this amazing huge event in the middle of a pandemic, but hey, they did it. It was a big success. Ah, But let's stay tuned and we'll be ready for the next event that will take place here in Vegas. Hopefully it will be even more basketball type event. And you can find out and keep up with the latest. Go to Jerry's website to get the details as to when that will take place right here in Las Vegas. And also, we'll get information on uh, their natural health and energy product. Go to their website, buy, B-U-Y, B as in boy, onepatch.com. That's buy, B, onepatch.com. And their social media page is at B, one patch. And again, you can find out when the next big uh, invitational will be taking place as well as get even more details about their natural health and energy product. I know I need it. Seems like we just had a whole show. Uh, the theme was health and fitness and activities and athleticism. And I guess that's a reminder to me to get back on the fitness trail, please. And those of you out there, don't leave me by myself. I know you need to get on the fitness trail with me also. Don't leave me by myself on this. So listen, thank you guys for listening as always, and we'll see you next week on the next edition of Film Festival Radio. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and stay healthy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.